Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. How do you make a vacation last? How do you hold on to the joy, the clarity, the calm? Easy. You go to Aruba. You'll spend your time relaxing on cool, white, sandy beaches and floating in healing blue water. You'll meet locals brimming with gratitude for an island that redefines what a paradise can be. You won't just feel great. You'll feel relaxed, renewed, and ready for life. That's the Aruba Effect. Plan your trip at aruba.com. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Welcome to a laid back crypto bull run edition of Advantage Connors. Have you seen the charts this week? What's up, Jimmy? How you doing up in Santa Barbara? Crypto. Crypto, you you've been you've been a a fighter for it for a long time. You're you're getting your payback now. Hey, hey. Sounds good. I'm, I'm in Santa Barbara. I'm sitting in my den. Had a good dinner, had a good day. The uh, beautiful weather up here. But uh, hey, you know, I'm, I'm following the news. My health is better. My knee that uh, uh, that's been giving me trouble is uh, kind of showing some good signs of uh, getting better. So I went out and I hit a few golf balls today. No tennis. Okay. Uh, doc told me my my doc Doc Scheinberg, who has uh, you know been a uh, been on our, our podcast and has been a, a a great guy who was taking care of me for you know for. 30 years now you told me no tennis for another five or six weeks but Oof. hey I'm, I'm up and going and i feel better so that's a good start that's good yeah i mean when i was up for thanksgiving you were uh we, we hit golf balls you looked all right you were doing mostly chipping chipping and putting not not putting too much torque on that knee but uh i called you the last couple of days and mom said he's at the range hitting balls I did. so it must must be I doing did. a little bit better and, uh, 15 20 minutes and you know i i hit I actually hit uh a few drivers today. I, and, and to be honest with you, I went back and I actually played 18 holes on Sunday. Uh, I came off, I was a little gimpy, a little gimpy. So no, uh, no holes until Friday. Hopefully on Friday, I can uh, get out and play a little bit more with the guys. But uh, right now I'm feeling better and, and I'm happy about that. That's good keep recovering i'll be coming up for christmas in about a week or 10 days and and be expecting you to come out to the golf course with me and hit some balls and and play uh play a few holes and Uh, i hate to even say this but uh, there might even be another connor's kitchen don't tease us you should see our our fan interaction on instagram and twitter i mean our numbers have never been higher with the whole garuna uh interview last week we had a lot of good feedback and between that and your connor's kitchen we are popping here on advantage you know know what i was i i I listened i re-listened 
to uh, to our interview with uh, uh, with Runa. Uh, very impressive, you, right. know, you know that he he's uh, you know I liked his personality. I liked his uh, uh, ambition. I liked his not uh, wanting to pull back from facing the greatest players of uh, of modern time, which you know now is Djokovic. Uh, you know, so I, I, I re-listened to that and I said, yeah, this kid's got balls, Yeah, uh, you know, and, and, uh, and for him to, you know, be as young as he is to, you know, and to, to, you know, I, you know, I hate the word mature, but, but, uh, you know, to, to have the feelings and, and, the, uh, and the get up and go that he's looking for and what he wants out of tennis, he wants to be the best. Mm-hmm. And, and when you want to be the best, you're willing to give everything that you can give to do that, no matter what it is, whether it's your game, whether it's training, whether it's diet, whether it's no matter what it is, he's willing to do it. And I'm 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 following him. I'm I'm on him, and and I hope his success, you know, in the next year or two or three or four, you know, brings him everything he's looking for. Yeah, definitely, I agree. I think uh, you know, for being so young, twenty years old, and and some of the you know, some people's opinions of how he acts on court, you know, I thought he came off, you know, very mature. And I thought like all the issues that people have brought up, you know, he, you know, uh, gave a very thorough answer. And, you know, I like the fact that he's happy Djokovic is still here. He's not one of these guys hoping that he retires and then they can move up. You know, he wants to, you know, be challenged and he wants to take him out. Like, yeah, like how he said, you know, we we have to beat him every time, you know, not just once in a while. And, uh, you know, like I, I thought that was cool. And then when he said, you know, d- depends if you want to be a tennis player or a tennis fan, you know, I thought that was good too. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I like that, uh, that, you know, li- listen, in, uh, back in the day, there was no hugging, uh, you know, after the match, there was none of that, right. uh, you know, and, and, you know, as much as I respected a lot of guys and, and, you know, Borg the same, Mac the same, Lindell the same. You, you know, that, that, uh, you know, you, you, you come out, I mean, you're, you're, you're out there, you know, for the same reason they are and to win a tennis match. I mean, I'm, I'm not giving anybody a hug if they kick my ass, <laughs> you know, I'm not going to do that. I right. mean, I'm going to go and say, you know, good match, but you know, you know, I, I'm, I'm after you, I'm coming after you. Right. You know, but you know, these guys, you know, maybe, maybe it's, it's, uh, the finances, maybe they're making too much money. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I don't want to say that. I, I hate to say that because I'm the one who brought in the money. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> you know, that's what, that's what I was trying to do was, you know, bring in more money, more fans, more sponsors, more everything, you yeah. know, but man, if you're, you know, and that's why I liked Runa. That's why I liked his attitude. Bring it on. Yeah. Bring me the best, yep. you know, and, and, and listen, if you don't make it, you don't make it. But at least you're you're out there grinding and giving it your all and facing the best yeah. and and coming off with uh, with the attitude that said, "Hey, what else can I do?" Yep. And I think if you're gonna, I mean, if you're gonna be great at anything, like anything, if you're gonna be a great, uh, you know, sketch artist or, or just a lawyer or doctor or cook, whatever it is, you have to have like you have to believe in yourself, you know. And if especially if you're playing an right. individual sport like tennis you know, or you're a fighter or you're a golfer, it's only you out there. So like, you can't have doubt. You have to have almost like a, like a a high level of like arrogance, almost of confidence, of cockiness, like whatever word you want to use. Because like when you're out there on the court, everyone might bail on you. The crowd might bail on you. Your coach might bail on you. The play, other player is going to bail on you, but you can't bail on you, you know? And so I think 
you know, even though his maybe doesn't have the results to, to people are like, oh, you know, he's, he's, he's overconfident for his results so far. But I think that's what you have to have to, to be someone who can go forward and get those results and go after it. And I like that he's hungry yeah. and, and he's not backing down from the challenge and, and he has kind of that bring it on attitude and, and he's, and he's fun, you know, like I think he gave really good thorough answers and I've seen it get quoted in a lot of different like little articles and stuff. People have cut it up and, and it's gotten a lot of good responses. Well, I, I like I like a guy that uh, you know, and and uh, to go out and and want to engage the crowd, mm-hmm. you know, and bring the crowd into it. Like like me or not, root for me or not, at least come in and be a part of me. Yeah, you know, and, I like that and, he said he was an yeah, entertainer. Right, you know, that's what isn't that what tennis is? Isn't that what sports is? Yep. you know that that you're out there. Whether I, I remember doing an outing with Wayne Gretzky. And, and, uh, who's a, as a friend, we played golf together and, and, you know, and, and uh, we did a thing and he, and he, and he, I remember him coming around, he, he put his hand on my shoulders and he says, the one thing Jimmy and I understood about the art sports is it was entertainment. And, yep. and that's what it is. I mean, people are paying big money to come and see these guys play and, and they want to be brought into what they're going through the good, the bad, and the ugly of it all, you know, that, uh, you know, uh, you know, whether, you know, they're up and they're down and, you know, the ebb and flow of a match and how it goes, because, you know, I'm looking back now, tennis is an individual sport. I've got you, you, uh, the player has no help. There's no coach, you know, they're out there doing it on their own in front of 25,000 people live and hundreds of millions of people on TV, you know? So, what what is it that that they can do to not only do their job, which is to play the best tennis possible, but also to suck the people in, to suck the crowd in, to be a part of what you are and who you are, and and why to root for you or why to root against you? Yep. You know, maybe you don't like me. I right. don't care. Just be here. Just be here. Just care. You know. You know. Just like care also, one way or the other. You know. One way or the other. Exactly. Yep. Exactly. Yeah, so. and and and, and uh, that's why I liked his attitude. And he's saying, you know, I'm, I'm not afraid to go at it with these guys. You know, you, you can't be afraid to go at the best because if you let to be the best forever, mm-hmm. you, you know, it's time for somebody else to take over. You know, it was Laver and Rosewall and and Emerson and Ash and Smith and you know when I was coming up, you know, and and I was with Dibs and Solomon and Tanner and Stockton and you know, Velas and, you know, guys like that, Borg. you know, and we're saying, eh, time for those guys to go, right? <laughs> you know, but, but, it, but it's all about, you know, the next generation. Yep. You know, you just did the next gen, right? right? What an absolutely you know? amazing segue that is. Yeah. I mean, you, you just, <laughs> thank you, <laughs> but you, but you, but you just did that. Yep. Yeah. You know, and, and, and that's what it's time for. What, what are these guys going to let? you know, five or six or seven or eight or 10 years go by and all of a sudden say, oh, well, oh, what, I missed out? Right, and there's always you know, another generation coming up. You know, you can't wait that long. You know, you can't, you can't hope to, to, that it comes around later. Yeah, and just putting it in perspective, Rune is 20. You know, he would have been playing in next gen if he wanted. But like, he, right. you know, he ends up, he's in the ATP final. So, you know, you can, he's already on that next, you know, that upper echelon kind of a guys, you know, he's still needs that breakthrough performance. You know, he's, he's got a master's 1000, 
hasn't made a semifinal at a slam. I think that's probably coming in 24. I think him working with Boris is a really good mix. I know some people yes. thought the styles might be different, but I, I don't think it's the tennis styles matching that need to be, you know, that need to be similar. It's more the the off-court stuff, the personality stuff, all the little intricacies of a game and a match. Mental. And, yeah, mental, mental. How you want to set up your season and schedule and how you want to, you know, maintain your body and get, you know, get it worked on and make sure you eat right and all that stuff. I think I think Boris is going to help him a lot. And I think Holger is, is going to have a breakthrough, uh, breakthrough year in 24. But you missed one thing. Tell me. Work ethic. Work ethic. Mm-hmm. Becker, and you said it, I saw it, uh, you know, in a retweet that you did, that you find somebody who's been there and done that, you know, as opposed to some of the coaches who, you know, kind of just uh, sashay their way in, uh, you, you know, <laughs> Becker has been there. He knows the work ethic, what it takes, you know, to to go to that next level. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, even though they do have different styles, you know, Becker has been around enough he's noticed enough uh, or, wa- or watched enough of the guys that he's played against to know the different styles and how to compete against them and what it takes to win. You know, so that work ethic that he's going to bring to Runa is going to be very important. Yep. Looking forward to watching, uh, watching how it unfolds. He said he starts off in Brisbane. That's only a few weeks away now. So we will not have to wait long and looking forward to it and, and happy to have had him on as a guest. Um, well, right. I hope, the the weather outside is frightful. It's coming, <laughs> you know. Christmas Christmas is coming, and and you know it's funny, you know that that you say you know that's just a couple of weeks away. I mean, Christmas is a couple of weeks away. Wow. Yeah. You this know, year's gone and quick. we talk about it all the time, Brett. That you know the the season just is nonstop. You know. Yeah. Keep going round the clock. Yep. Yeah, you said it. I mean, I, last week I, I worked Next Gen. That was the last kind of official ATP event uh, of the season. Um, I wanted to get your take on it. I don't know if you watched much of it, but uh, pretty good story here that that stood out that I wanted to kind of touches on a bigger bigger uh, subject matter within the sport of tennis. But Hamad Majedovic, you, you hear about yeah. this kid, the Serbian kid, 20 years old. Um, you know, right there as part of that kind of next gen of guys with Runa, uh, maybe a couple years uh, behind him in his progress, uh, in his progress, but not too far. Um, went five and zero, five and zero. If if you went five and zero at the event, you made five hundred thousand dollars, which was a, a good chunk more than if you had just like you know won it by going four and one or whatever you know whatever it right. was by going undefeated. He makes five hundred thousand dollars. The story goes yep. that, uh, you know, he was training. Djokovic was at one of his training sessions and, and was talking with his father, Hamad's father. And Djokovic is sitting there going like, look, he's got to do this. He's got to do that. He's got to get a trainer. He's got to get a physio. He got to go to this event and that event. And uh, Hamad's pops is sitting there going like, hey, Novak, that's all great, but I can't afford that, bro. <laughs> you know, like yeah. all those things cost money. And, you know, I don't know what, he, what his father does for a living, but there's not many people who can afford that by themselves anywhere in the world. Yeah, but it's it's not only the training and the tennis spread, but it's the travel and you know taking people with you and and making sure that you're looked after and all that. I mean, there's it's more today than it was back in my day. Definitely, yeah, I was you know, I was going to ask you that. Day, I was going to ask you that. I was going you know with with the yeah. hotels and the travel and, and an entourage. I remember you were getting shit for having a quote unquote entourage, and it was literally like your girlfriend, a buddy, and like Doug 
our friend Doug, who was like kind of like you know, quote unquote, your security guard. But like they yeah, were but just local. He was local. They were just your friends. <laughs> you know what yeah, I mean? Like my, 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 yeah. <laughs> your 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 group was just a bunch of friends. And then nowadays, all those people in the box with the players all have a role. It's a physio. It's a coach. It's a trainer. Right. It's a nutritionist. It's a you know masseuse or you know whatever. Sometimes guys have five or six, seven, eight people in their box. And so I just wanted to get your take, you know, Novak, you know, kind of going out on a limb and, and, you know, believing in this kid and saying, Hey, look, don't worry about the money. I'm going to support him and, and give you the funds you need to pursue this dream. And then all of a sudden, you know, boom, he gets rewarded. The kid wins $500,000 in this, you know, in this event. And now he's going to be able to kind of, you know, fund his own future a little bit along with Djokovic. I just wanted to get your take back when you played. Like, what was it like? You know, the expenses, the, was it daunting to think about, uh, you know, how am I going to pay for these flights, these hotels, all the meals and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. I mean, you know, back then it was a, you know, a different story. I mean, we were playing where the winner of a tournament got $1,200. <laughs> you know, and, and, but you got to remember back then flights were cheaper, hotels were cheaper, gas was cheaper, everything was cheaper 50 years ago, 50, 60 years ago, you know, but the end result is, you know, I mean, you're, you're right. Djokovic takes a lot of heat, you know, for a lot of things, but I mean, he's willing, you know, to not only offer his opinion, you know, and, and a lot, you know, you know what opinions are like. Uh huh. I'm just going to stop right there, <laughs> you know, but, you know, he's now not only willing to offer his opinion, but he's willing to step up and, you know, and take the kid and say, I'm willing to help you, right? you know, and, and, and give you a chance. I think you've got the talent and what it takes to be a great player, you know, whether it's number one or number 20 or number whatever, but at, at least, you know, he's given the kid an opportunity and obviously he stepped up. You know, he wins the next gen, he wins five matches and now makes enough money, you know, to maybe even, you know, take over for himself. But, you know, Djokovic, you know, gets a lot of lot of heat. And I, and I say that because, you know, I like him. You know, I like him. He stands up for what he believes in and, you know, kind of goes back to my day. I stood up for what I believed in. I didn't do a lot of things because everybody else did. And because of that, you take a lot of heat. And I'm also going to say this, if you're going to do that, you better be damn sure that once you leave tennis that you find another way, you know, to, to be successful because tennis doesn't step up and take care of you. But Joker's, you know, come around at a time where he's made, you know, millions upon millions upon millions of dollars and he's earned it because he's, you know, the most grand slams and whatever. But to take a kid under his wing and to see the talent and to be willing to step up and give the kid a break and help him, Pretty amazing stuff. Yeah. You know, but, you know, back in the day, you know, we're playing for, you know, $1,200, $1,500 to win a tournament. You know, you're sitting in an airport for 18, 24 hours trying to get a, a standby seat to get to the next, uh, you know, the next <laughs> town. But that was all an education. Right. It was all a street education, how to survive that, you know, and, and get through that. There was no private planes back then. Mm-hmm. You know, and to get it. So, you know, you, you you sit in an airport for 18 hours, you take a flight, you get off the plane, you go to the hotel and you're on the court five minutes later. Right. But, you know, it was a great education and, and an understanding of, you know, what we didn't like and what we wanted to make changes in doing. Right. You, you know, to bring in more sponsors. Right. More to money. bring in television, to bring in bigger crowds. You know, so that, you know, that, that we were able to, you know, make a little bit more money, too, so that we didn't have to suffer that and, and go through that. But 
I look back, I was talking to my friend VJ Armitrage just a couple of days ago, and and he said, Jesus, Jimmy, you know, I look back, I came around at just the absolute greatest time of all time. You know, playing, playing with you and Borg and Mac and Vitas and everybody clerk and velas and panada and jesus you know i mean the list of dibs and solomon and tanner i could go on forever with the names but he says you know the times that we had and what we were able to change and, and this is what he said what we were able to change was amazing yeah and looking back it was you know, and, and uh, would I like to be playing now? Of course. I mean, I'd be an idiot to say, you know, I wouldn't, you know, like to be able to play for this kind of money. But I played in a time, you know, when it mattered. And we were able to change the game and to change the look of what was to come. And and to be a part of that was pretty amazing. Yeah, definitely was. I mean, it seems like the people at the beginning... Am I talking too much, bud? No. No, you're talking just the right okay. amount. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> Never too much Thanks. talk on Advantage Connors, and we can always edit you down, baby. Oh, okay. There you <laughs> just go. Just kidding. <laughs> just kidding. It just seems like all the sports, like the people who are there kind of at the beginning and launch it into the stratosphere might not make the quote-unquote big money like that the players who, once it's in the stratosphere, come along and, and kind of get to make, but then those players miss out on all the cool stuff of like, building the sport and and figuring all those things out like all the sports now are so like figured out you know like everything's uh well if you're ranked this this high you get this much of a of a sponsor deal you know you can't get more right. than that because the fourth rank play if you're fifth ranked you can't get more than the fourth rank because the fourth you know it's all this just it's just all been like you know just squished together and made into like a business you know right and so like i think you're right i think you vj's right too or you guys came along at such a good time where you guys made good livings. It might not be super duper trillionaire money, but you know, you guys are, are doing okay. And then you have all the great stories and, and experiences to talk about and draw on and, and to, you know, show the whole world that this is where it all started. And, and, you know, this is where it, you know, it is now. Yep. It was so, a good time. Good time it, is by right. By the way, it's all, it's always fun talking to VJ. We should uh, get him yeah, on. He's, He'd be willing anytime. Yeah, he'd be and, a great and, guest. Yeah. And maybe ne next time when you're coming up this way, I'll come down and we meet halfway and, you know, meet him and sit down and talk with him because he lives halfway between me and you right now. Perfect. That <laughs> so, sounds like an idea right great. there. I like it. Yeah. yeah I like it. would be great. Okay. Let's move away from tennis and into the sport that you go and play every day now that the knee is bad. A little a little golf. What do you think? He, well, I <laughs> I went out and uh, I played 18 holes and uh, I'm still struggling a little bit, but I got through 18 holes. It's the weirdest thing, Brett, and Doc Scheinberg, who has been a part of our podcast and has taken care of me, he reconstructed yeah. my wrist. He's taken care he of say? me for 30 years. You know, he said that, uh, you know, there's no surgery, which is the best news. And here is this, because, you know, my my whole family has been riddled with arthritis. And he told me, he says, I think you just had a massive arthritis attack. Wow. And I'm going, oh, shit. Oh, that's it? <laughs> you know. <laughs> and I'm saying, if that's it, and that took me down for this amount of time and all this, I said, how do I get out of that? Right. You'd almost rather have an ACL. <laughs> like, I, know. I know. At least you have a surgery you, you, know, you can get. Go, go in and, and, you know, cut on me, but, you know, get rid of this. Yeah. You know, I said, you know, and but... It's pretty interesting, but it's been, I think, five weeks now, mm -hmm. and I'm better. But I started riding my bike 
two days ago and uh, riding it for 20 minutes. And, nice. and he said, just take it easy, but at least I've got the motion in my leg and my knee and being able to bend it. Now I'm weak and I hate to even admit this, you know, but uh, getting older is not for sissies. No. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, and I look back and, and I'm so proud of everything that I've done in the past, you know, the work ethic and, and everything, but man, oh man, you know, and, and your grandma always told me, she goes, you think this is going to be easy down the road. This is not you, you're, you know, berating your body and, and going through all this. <laughs> you're like, now you and tell I me. Said, yeah. yeah. I, I, I told her, I said, I'm bulletproof, grandma. Right. Don't worry. I'm bullet. I'm bulletproof. Well, I think the bullet finally caught up with me. <laughs> the Kevlar <laughs> I, I ran out. So. I think so. It's an in and out, right? Hopefully. That's funny. Uh, Well, let's talk a little golf here. We kind of touched on this a couple weeks ago. It's been rumored and grumblings since then. It looks like the deal might be getting closer. The growing speculation that John Rahm will jump to the LIV tour for close to $500 million is kind of uh, gaining speed. Looks like it might happen. What do you think about that? Because Rom was Uh, one of the big outspoken guys, you know, when when the stuff happened earlier in the year and and there was the whole back and forth when Mickelson and all those other guys left last year. He was, you know, he called it like a gimmicky tour and had some, you know, some good comments kind of standing up for the PGA. But what do you think now? But you know what they always say, money talks. Mm Mm-hmm. You, you know, so, and uh, well, there's another line that goes with that, but I'm not going to say it on our podcast. <laughs> but but the, the end result is, I mean, you know, when somebody offers you that kind of money, I mean, it, you know, the, the decision you make is a lifetime decision. And, and he's got a family, you know, he's proven himself in, in the game of golf and by winning a, a number of tournaments and major titles. And, you know, so... Where is his loyalty lie? Yeah. With himself, hopefully. And his family. Yeah. Right? Yeah, definitely. Uh, you, you know, I mean, there comes a point in time where you got to say, you know, I'm willing to do, it's like I said, I, I'm willing to do everything I can for the game. But, you know, once you can't do it anymore, the game ain't going to take care of you. Right. <laughs> Especially like golf. Like golf's like, oh. th- there's literally a cut line. So if he starts, yeah. if he starts missing cuts, they're not going to give a shit. They're not going to be like, right. well, we'll let you make the cut or we'll lower it for you. We'll let you in anyways. It's like they're just going to be like, oh, sorry, bro. And then you're just going to start right. promoting the guys who are making the cut. Yeah, that that one-on-one game that we play is the best at one point and the nastiest at the other. Right. Because, you know, while you're on top and while you're selling tickets and while you're winning titles and, you know, while you're bringing in sponsors, and you know, everybody's loving you. You know, but, you know, when you get a little older and, and you're not winning and you're not producing and, you know, and all that's it, you know, the, there's always somebody else coming up behind you. Right. There's only two things in the world, old and new. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's either you've been around and everyone knows you or you're the new guy and everyone likes the new guy, you know? Yeah. <laughs> it's like Bill, Bill Reardon used to say, yeah, you know, you said old and new. He said thoughtfulness and gratefulness. Yeah. You be thoughtful, I'd be grateful. <laughs> yeah, that's good <laughs> too. He, he he was crazy, but but you're right, old and new. You you know because there's you know that rearview mirror. If you if you ain't looking at that, something's wrong with you. Because you know if you want to be an outstanding, a star, a producer, a grinder, a winner, you've got to look both ways, front and back. Yeah, because you know the front you're chasing, the back is the guy that's coming up after you. Right. 
and that's the guy I think more that you have to look at. And, you know, and, and I mentioned that to your mom and I said, Jesus, you know, guy was offered $500 million, you know, to go. <laughs> Doesn't to even have to win. Tour. And she said, she said, that wouldn't have even been a decision for you. That would have been my decision. <laughs> <laughs> your, your, your mom would have said, I'd have grabbed you by the right. hair. <laughs> right. And you made you sign <laughs> yeah. that. Right. Right. She goes, that wouldn't have taken five minutes for you to sign because, right. because she understood that because she traveled when you were young, she saw it all, yeah. you know, before it all happened. And it's pretty interesting, but uh, it's a good conversation. It's a fun conversation. Definitely. And just like the stats where it's like, if he gets 500 million, he's made something like 50 million with all of his wins, like with, with him producing it, like the top, you know, top five guy in the world for the last few years or whatever it's been, he's made $50 million. So he can right. make 10 times that by just signing right. this piece of paper, doesn't have to win. I'm sure he has obligations to like the league and stuff like that that he has to fulfill down the line. But man, that takes a lot of pressure off uh, and uh, sure makes life a lot easier, I'm guessing. Yeah. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for candidates isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging, so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites according to a recent Indeed survey. One of the things we love here on Advantage Connors about Indeed is how easy it makes it. It's our one-stop shop. They got everything that we need in one spot to help us connect with the right people for the right job. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join the more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And check this out, guys. Listeners of Advantage Connors get the hookup. Get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your job more visibility at indeed.com slash Connors. Look, you just go to indeed.com slash Connors right now and support the show, Advantage Connors, by saying you heard it here on our podcast. It really helps us out. Indeed.com slash Connors. Terms and conditions apply. Do you need to hire? Well, then you need Indeed. Hiring? With Indeed, your search is over. When it comes to hiring, don't go searching for the one. Just meet your match with Indeed. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. And that is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and, not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. 
Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. It's an amazing time for sports, Brad. Yeah. Uh, you know, if you look at, you know, golf, even tennis and baseball, the the number of, of contracts that are signed for such big money and in uh, basketball and so forth. Yep. It's an amazing, amazing time. Even hockey. Yeah. I mean, you know, I'd love to see, you know, back in the day what Gretzky was getting and, you know, who was, yep. the, you know, they said the greatest of all time. I mean, like, you know, how about the women, the two top women yeah. athletes? I mean, something like five or six of the top 10, I think, but the top two are Coco Golf and then Iga Swiatek. So it's like Coco made 22 million and Swiatek's making 21 million. You know, it's just like, it's a crazy time to be an athlete. If you're a winner, it's yeah. a great time to be an athlete. That's for sure. Yeah. Yeah, you said the right word if you're a winner. Yeah. But I, I mean, for Rom, I think it's one of those things where he stuck his neck out there when, like, before we knew about the whole merger and Jay Monahan kind of going behind everyone's back and, right. uh, you know, and doing what he did. I mean, Monahan's saying he, that he's still eyeing a December 31st date as a firm target for the deal with LIV to kind of go through, mm. you know, and it's like pointless for him to back out of the deal now because everyone knows they've already taken the PR backlash, you know. Right. And so Rom's probably sitting there, guys like Rom and Rory who came out and were like super you know, pro PGA and anti LIV and it's a lame tour, blah, blah, blah. And all this criticism they did are sitting there almost like, man, you sold us out. You know what I mean? Like you weren't really, you didn't have our back. So like right. I could, I, I wouldn't blame Rom at all. Like, I mean, it's a bummer because it kind of fractures the tour again until we can figure out what this, you know, consolidation, the merger is going to look like. But I mean, whatever, wherever these guys play, I still tune in to watch just because I like yeah. watching the best golf. I, I, I like to watch good golf. Same. That that's what I I like to watch, and you know, even though the LIV is is a little bit different, you know, and basically, you know, I'm I'm not looking for the teams and the this and the that. I'm looking for guys who are hitting good shots. Yeah. You know, so I tune into both. I mean, I'm I'm not picking sides. No. You know, it's not not for me to pick anyway. To be honest with you, it's it's that's more of the internal. You know, the guys that are actually playing the game you know, and, and where they want to go and, and what they think. So, I mean, I, I guess the end result is the LIV going to buy enough players to where they finally just say, we just got to merge and everybody play together right. again. I think that's what's what's almost happening, where it's like, Brahms, like, this is an inevitability somewhere down the road, right? So why not make the big check and cash in now? And then, you know, where, you know, where, where all the chips fall where they may. Two years. Be playing with you guys again in two years. Anyway. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. So I'm, well, let me let me secure let yeah. me secure this bag, <laughs> and then yeah. uh, and then we'll be playing together in two years. Don't worry, guys. We got a lot of years ahead yeah. of us. Yeah, yeah. It's interesting to be a young guy. I mean, he's still a young guy, you know. And and uh, you know, you look that you know whether he's 26, 20. I don't I don't know how old he is exactly. Twenty nine. But uh, uh, twenty nine. Just know, turned twenty nine. He's, he's got twenty one more years until he's fifty. Right. And then what's he have after that? Yeah, another ten. Senior you know? tour. Yeah, exactly. Senior tour. So where do you where do you think that's going to be? Right. You know, in in twenty years or so. Yeah. So I mean, the you know, the good thing uh, you know about golf is that you know look at look at Bernard Langer. I mean, oh, that, yeah. I mean his conditioning and and everything that he stays in. He's sixty five years old or somewhere around there, and he and he's still. The way he looks, the way you know he plays, his you know his physique, his yep. health, and and everything. Sixty six you know. years old. Well, Langer. there you go. Yep, just grinding you know. away with those pars, baby. No one likes to make yeah. par better than Bernard Longer, <laughs> man, and he's made a lot of money doing it. 
Yeah. yeah. You know, that's the difference between golf and tennis. You know, if you make it till 40, you're broken down and uh, you're put out to pasture. Right. You know, different. Yep. Definitely different. Right? Yeah. So, fun to talk about. It's, Interesting. It's a fun conversation for me. Yeah. Anyway. I like it too. Well, let's stay in golf. This was another story that I wanted to get your take on. Something that we've like all kind of talked about as, you know, amateur players when we talk on the course. But you know, it's similar in tennis, where like we talked about the ball a couple weeks ago, the different tennis ball every week. It's a different ball, blah blah blah. Golf, it's a little different. Every player is allowed to pick whatever ball they want, you know, and they play it no matter what the course and blah. blah. But the, the technology in golf has like gone out of control a little bit. Like the the drivers and I mean, you know, for your layman, for guys like us who are just kind of hacks and out there having fun. Like, I don't, the difference probably isn't as noticeable, but when you put these I clubs. I resent that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, me, me, I'm the hack, I'm the hack. <laughs> uh, no, no, I, I had to say that. It's but, fun to be a hack. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. But, but when you put these clubs or this equipment in the hands of the best players in the world, then they're even getting more of an advantage. So what the talk is, is, is that they're going to roll the technology back on the ball. Because so many people right. have thought it's the shaft, it's the club head, it's the it's the club face, it's the drivers, but I don't think it's, sure some of that might be happening. But it's if the ball is being juiced or whatever you want to call it, then you know it doesn't matter. But you know I have some stats here. But what's your take on the ball rollback story? Yeah, it's it, it's interesting. I was listening uh, this morning, uh, Mister Insomniac here. I was up early and and uh, <laughs> I turned on Golf Central and they're talking about the ball and and you know what I picked up you know, when I was in a fog early in the morning was, you know, they were doing the test when it was the swing speed was 176 miles an hour, <laughs> you know, and, and so dealing with that and, you know, how far the ball's going to go. And they're saying, well, in 2028, you know, when this comes out, you know, and, and, and then all of a sudden, can't remember what the guy's name that said, it. he says, but in 2028, you know, the kids might be swinging 185 miles an hour. Right. You, That's you know, crazy. So, yeah, so, I mean, you're going to be playing catch-up right. all the time. But the one thing that I, I liked about it, and, and, and this is what I, I liked about golf at the very beginning when I got into it and, and started when we lived in San Inez and, you know, Golf Channel first came on, I'd tune in. And I'd like to see guys, you know, create shots and improvise. And, you know, it seems the guys today, they hit the ball so far and they're so good and they never miss a fairway except for a guy like Jordan Spieth, who I like. He's like Seve Jr. <laughs> you know, right. He's Getting playing out of trouble. the parking lot, too. I love watching him play. But, you know, they hit the ball so far that, you know, they're playing a 520-yard par five and they're hitting driver eight iron yeah. into that. Yeah, it's and, become a little stupid. Know, even, even though that's great, I mean, you know, I, I like to see a guy who misses the green and has to, you know, chip over a bunker and stop it, you know, close to the hole and what he does and you have the commentators explain it to me and say, you know, and say, Jesus, I want to go try that. Mm -hmm. I want to, you know, I'm going to the club right now and I'm going to go give that a try and see how that works for me. But these guys are so good and, yeah. you know, what they're able to do. And so the creativity on something, if it takes off, a little bit of distance so that, you know, maybe, maybe they don't hit every par five and two and, right. and they have to get up and down, you know, would be, would be kind of fun for me to see. Yeah. But you know, that, that's just me. Everybody yeah. else probably says, show me a driver that goes 360, yeah. you, you know, and, and, and I get that. I get that. But is, I want to say one more point. I'm sorry, Brother. 
But isn't it funny, you know, that 10, 12, 15 years ago, when Tiger came in and was blowing the ball past everybody, out driving them by 20, 30 yards, everybody loved that. Right. Didn't they? Well, I mean, I think they liked it, yeah, at the beginning. But, I mean, even then, remember, they would, we got a Tiger-proof Augusta. You know, they would, they'd have to Tiger-proof it, you know, they would, like, which just meant extending holes, like lengthening right. holes. Well, people are running out of real estate now. That's what I'm saying. Here, I have some stats here. So last year, 98 PGA professionals averaged more than 300 yards. 98. Oh. 10 Yikes. years ago, just a decade ago, only 13 did. All right? The 75th longest player on the tour, Kevin Roy, averaged 303.4 yards or mm. almost 32 more yards than his 1998 counterpart, Guy Burroughs. Remember old Guy Burroughs? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, like... You know, we, we, Brett, I, I, I just got to say this. We lived down at Turnberry when you were just a, a baby. We lived down there, uh, you know, until you were five, almost six years old. And Guy Burroughs was the son of the pro at Turnberry, Julius Burroughs. Oh, that's awesome. And it, it was awesome, was right, to, you know, because I'd go out and play. I was just kind of, you know peckering around with golf back then and i'd see him on the range he was an amazing guy yeah uh, amazing so i hate to interrupt you that but you brought up his name i just had to say that shout was, out turnberry amazing. julius morrows shout yes. out yep well just think about that that only it was so that's 25 years ago 1998 that the 75th ranked guy didn't hit it 303 he was hitting it like 270 you know, right. And, you know, and so the, this is because uh, improvements in the ball and the club technology. And you said it too, like you said it, the, we, we don't have enough property, you know, cause that's like, that's been the fix for this where it's almost like this never ending game of like the technology gets better. So we have to lengthen the course. Technology gets right. better, lengthen course. Technology gets better, lengthen course. And then it's like everyone oohs and ahs at like the 700-yard par five at the PGA in, in June. <laughs> right. yeah. You know? That's right. But it's like, yeah. why don't we just like put some sort of cap on the technology and then like a 580-yard par five, whatever, 590-yard par five is long because like, well, the ball doesn't go as far and blah, blah, blah. And then you don't have to keep digging up all these great courses and changing them. And you're only changing them, not because that's what the original architect wanted. You're changing them because, well, the ball's gotten too big and the head they hit it right. too far and the shafts are too whippy. And, you know, So well, it's just like you're changing the whole sport. It's funny. They, you know, in, in, in basketball, they never changed the ball, did they? Mm. What about baseball? Oh, uh, well, uh, juice think, ball I era. I think they did it one time. <laughs> Didn't they try it at one time? Well, there's like, remember before Bob Gibson or whatever, remember that Bob Gibson had that great year where he just almost pitched shutouts every time and they did something where they like, they lowered the mound or they hired, they made the mound higher. Remember there was something and then remember in like the 90s there was the whole steroid era with like McGuire oh. and Sosa and those balls, you know, everyone thinks they were like juiced because everyone, back then everyone was hitting so many balls, but they weren't coming out and legally saying they were changing the balls. If anything, it's like right. you know, conspiratorial, it's a rumor or whatever you want to say, but this is out in the public and, and this is going to be done, you know, you know, on the tour. Yeah, and yeah, everywhere. I, I'm, I'm interested. I'm interested to see, I mean, but if it affects, you know, a, a half-asser like me, I might go by, you know, a hundred dozen balls, you know, <laughs> load up, you know, today and wait till they change the ball and then go out and play until those are gone and say, I just can't hit the ball anymore. I'm too old. Right. <laughs> right. But it's an interesting concept, right? Yep. I mean, they said that the PGA hitters, it'll affect them 13 to 15 yards. I'm guessing they're saying on the driver LPGA right. five to seven 
and then recreational golfer three to five. I mean, I don't know, understand how they get all that, but I mean, I guess, but the thing is the pros are already playing with different shit than we are anyway. Right, exactly. <laughs> it's not like they're playing yeah. with the same ball and clubs and putters and shafts. All that stuff is is designed especially for them, and and they go and they have their swing tested and everything done down to the you know millisecond on the on their swing speed. And so, yeah, I, I think it's a good idea, and just because of the whole like, it's so weird to see him like, well, we got to dig up Augusta number fifteen because the the, the scoring average is four point two. You know, that's too low. Right. We can't have that. It's like, well, don't change and dig up the course and change all this history. Maybe it's the equipment because the equipment has been the one thing that's changed this whole time to cause that. So then maybe that's the thing you should pull the reins back on a little bit. Interesting. But, but you know, here, here's another thing that, you know, you can't. What about these young kids coming up today? you know, that are 20, 21 years old and, and looking to, you know, to make a move on the, the Corn Ferry Tour or to get to the PGA and have been brought up just, you know, swinging out of their shoes and hitting the ball 340. Yeah. You know, so now are you going to, you know, chastise them for that working at that, their, you know, their whole young life to get to this point? And now what? They're not going to be able to take advantage of that? Yeah. But I mean, also like it, just think about how much the technology must have changed in the last 10 years alone. Just those stats, well, that, yeah. you know, there's yeah, 95 true. and then there was only 13 or whatever. That's only been in 10 years, you know, like that's, right. that's a lot of, a lot must be changing in the technology for that big of a jump in the numbers in only a decade. So it's like, yeah, sure. I'm sure they might, you know, so if you hit it 330, now you hit it like 319. You know, mm-hmm. am I supposed to like right. boo hoo cry for you? Like when I'm just trying to hit a 265 down the right or left side of the fairway and <laughs> keep it in bounds? <laughs> well, that's why you need a short game. Yep. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. Definitely. <laughs> Selling a little or a lot? Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage all the way to the, did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, 36% better on average when compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less, thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. The thing I love about Shopify is no matter where you're at, big company, small company, medium, they got you covered. And Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and to take your business to that next level. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash Connors. That's all lowercase, guys. Just go to shopify.com slash Connors now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash Connors. All right, let's get back to the show. I got one question for you. Yep. Bitcoin hit 45,000, everyone. Bitcoin. Uh, yep. It's been doing there pretty good. Go. The thing I would say about Bitcoin is some people might wonder out there, why Ethereum, 
ETH. It's called ETH, if you don't know. ETH hasn't had the same jump as Bitcoin has recently. So I think if you're listening out there, ETH might have a little more room to run. It's at about 2200 a coin right now, but its all-time high was well over 4500 a couple years ago. So there's definitely room to run. That's just my little financial advice. Don't take it out there. But uh, <laughs> yeah, but what, so uh, so what's the difference between Bitcoin and, and ETH? Tell me, tell uh, me that. I think I'm not uh, Bitcoin. Not I think what what's going on now is like the dollar is getting killed. Right? They're printing so much money. Inflation is so bad. Right. They're lying to you about what it is. They say it's eight. It's really twenty. You know, like everything in the stores doubled. So I think Bitcoin essentially is becoming like a, a store of value more than anything. Where it's like, look, I have my money, what, 10 bucks. Do I want to keep it in the bank as 10 bucks and just watch inflation and overprinting money and what they're doing at the Fed devalue my dollar? Or will I put it in Bitcoin or Ethereum or Solana or one of these other like coins that have a little bit of substance behind it? And, you know, maybe it has a chance to at least go up. You know what I mean? Maybe you might go down, but I feel like the crypto has been on such a down the last couple of years that there's a bull run kind of waiting. Ethereum is is like a platform where stuff can be built on top of it. So like a lot of NFTs are on the Ethereum network. I know we haven't talked about that in a while because they've gone to shit, but they're starting to come back a little bit too. But like a lot right. of these other ones, you build whatever it is you're building on top of like the Ethereum network. So it's called like the ERC network. You know, you I don't know exactly. I'm not the best technician with it, but there's a lot of more uses for Ethereum than Bitcoin. Bitcoin essentially is almost becoming like a store of value. Like, look, I just want to save money. Boom, put your Bitcoin, you know, whatever it is, you own one Bitcoin, keep that and then hope it goes up over the next five or 10 years or whatever it is. And, you know, it's a retirement fund kind of thing. But I don't know. I was just bringing it up because uh, I follow it a lot and, and I have some Bitcoin and Ethereum and it's been a good couple of weeks if you have some out there. Well, I, I do uh, watch a lot of financials and things, and and they're calling for Bitcoin to hit a hundred thousand. That would be good. We would like that. <laughs> that and, and and so if that be the case, then uh, you know I've got my hat on and I'm rooting for you. So yeah, um, but I don't want it to get there too fast. I'm still trying to load up and uh, you know pack my bags with Bitcoin before it takes off too much. So need that next paycheck to come through tomorrow, baby. Let's go tennis, John. <laughs> Pay me. Baby. <laughs> that, that's why we. That's why we keep working. Exactly. Keep working. That's why we do. All right. Here's my one question for you from the Facebook page. Tell me, Jimmy, a couple of things that you're most proud of in your tennis career. That's a broad question but I feel like you'll be able to narrow it down for us. Yeah. I'll, uh, actually, that's a very good question. And we talked a little bit about it earlier. I think one thing that I'm most proud of was I played at a time with a lot of the guys who changed the game of tennis, You know, who pushed it in a direction to forward it to where we are now. And that to me, I mean, you know, I told you, you know, we were playing where the winner of the tournament got, you know, $1,200, $1,500, you know, and, you know, we were looking to get television time. We were looking to get sponsors. We were getting uh, looking to get more people in the stands and doing all that and played with a, a group of guys with different games, different characters, different personalities, different everything that, that were able to draw a crowd more than just a tennis crowd. And weren't afraid to, you know, to take the criticism for that. And so I think that's one thing. And the second thing, and I think I mentioned this earlier too, is that I am very happy that I had I had a very good and a very long career on the regular tour and also 
10 years with a senior tour that I had in the 90s. But I think the most important thing is that when I stopped playing, I didn't have to rely on tennis as taking care of me and, and you know, uh, for a living and for my way of life. Mm-hmm. And that I was able to go and get into other things and be a part of other things and other businesses. And, you know, luck plays a big part in that too. I mean, luck played a big part in me being a, a, you know, professional tennis player, you know, so why wouldn't luck play a big part in that too? But I think that to me was most important because as I've told you before, Brad, and I've said on this, you know, tennis doesn't define me. You know, tennis was my game, was my living, you know, was what I love to do, and I still love it, but it didn't define me. I was able to go and, and do other things and not as successful as I was in tennis, you know, but enough to, you know, to be very satisfied and, you know, with the way of life that I have and and to to have been able to do that has been pretty good. I'd say so. Yeah, I think one of the things that, you know, everyone talks about, you know, American, why hasn't American won a slam since 2003? And, you know, they always like look to you and Mac or Roddick or whoever the American player is, and they always ask that question. But I think one of the things that you guys did as a part of your generation was, you know, you made tennis so big and got it on TV and made it so worldly that, you know, so many players from other countries that, you know, quote unquote, weren't a sports power, maybe weren't a tennis power, had no zero tennis legacy or history. You know, guys saw you and and Vilas and Borg and Tanner and just, you know, Mac and all these great players, you know, using this sport to make, make their way in life, you know, to become famous, to become a star, to put food on the table, to, you know, to just do what they love. And then now look at the world. I mean, you got guys, we just talked about, you know, Hamad, he's, he's a Serbian. You know, you got Djokovic, you got 24 slams. He's a Serbian guy. You got guys from South America. You got guys from Asia now coming over, you know, China. Right. You know, it's just, I think you guys were so part of showing young people in the world what was capable in the sport. And then, you know, because of that, maybe some of the countries that were dominating then don't dominate now because there's so much competition now. Like the whole world has been given tennis. Such a good point, Brett. There's such a good point that, you know, tennis has truly become a global game, you know, a global sport, you, you know, where from China to Japan to South America to the United States to Europe to, you know, to, it, it's truly become an international game. Not that it wasn't back then, but, you know, back in my day, it was mostly dominated by the U.S. and Australia. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the the opportunity, you know, to have been a part of, of that then, you know, to be able to take it to, you know, to level to where it is now. And I say it, and I I don't say it, you know, controversially, but I'm saying, you know, my generation doesn't get any credit for that, you know, to, to have been a part of that because the different characters and the personalities and, you know, because it takes more than tennis to, you know, that it took more than tennis to draw in more than just the real tennis fan. Right. You know, we had to sell something more back then, you know, to get the hockey fan or the baseball fan or the basketball fan or the football fan to come in and, and to watch two guys at, uh, what, 90, whatever feet, you know, running around hitting a tennis ball. What, you know, what were we going to do to draw them in and to be a part of what we did, you know, and, and to bring them down on the court with us and, and play the match with me against Mac? like they were out on, on, you know, on, on the pitcher's mound with Bob Gibson. Right. You know, what do we have to do to do that? You know, it, it wasn't planned. 
it certainly wasn't planned. It was guys that were just natural, you know, and, and being themselves and, and having, you know, an opportunity to show their stuff. Yeah. And how good they were and, and what it what they had to offer, you know, and, and beyond more than just hitting a tennis ball. Yeah. That I think that was the most important thing back in the day that that not only were we good, you know, at what we did, which was playing the game, but we were we were more than that. Yeah. Gerolitis, you know, had a story to tell. Uh, McEnroe had a story to tell. Nastasi had a story to tell. We all had a, our own story to tell. Yeah. Which drew people. Yeah, I think that's what made it so great too is that because it was so new i mean obviously tennis had been around for a long time but you know turning pro in 68 you know the, the sport went pro in 68 you came around right. in you know 72 or whatever it was so it's only been a pro sport for four handful of years so like you guys were all just who you were you know there wasn't a lot of standards there wasn't on tv yet so there wasn't well i, I watched you growing up so i wear my hair like you or i do my blank like you there wasn't like, it wasn't on TV. Like you were the guys who had to get it on TV. So like you right. said, like Borg was the way he was just because that's the way he was. You know, you were the way you were because that's just the way you were. Like Vilas had his <laughs> style. Like, and I think that's so cool. I think that's what happens with the people in the beginning, the people who launched the sport, like we were saying earlier, you know, they don't have a script to follow or, uh, or you know, maybe an idol to copy because it hasn't been around long enough for, for there to be those people. No, that's a good point. Really good point. I mean, you know, back back then we were kind of, you know, I mean, we it was like the the wild west, really. I mean, we were kind of trying to write our own rules. Yeah. You know, and you know what what we get fined for, what we get defaulted for, what we get kicked out for. We were walking a fine line, you know, every day, mm-hmm. you know, and on what it was going to take to to continue to sell. Yeah. Uh, you know, and and sometimes getting kicked out of a tournament was more important than winning it. <laughs> you know, I, I, you know, I hate to say it that way, but the interest and the controversy and and everything that that brought to the game. Now, a lot of people would criticize that, you know, and say, "Well, that's not the game. That's not the way the game should be played." Fuck that. <laughs> you know, we we had to do something, you know, because I got tired of playing in front of of two thousand people. Right. You know, and and you know what was it going to take to get in in front of ten thousand people or twenty thousand people? You know, and 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 play a match, you know, for a million dollars. What were you know what was it going to take to do that? Yeah. You know, so something different. I mean, it was it's something something different. new, something right. different. You know. Yeah, yeah. Be, you know, because you know, tennis had enough of the old way. Yeah, it was ready for something new. Yeah, and and, and I'm not saying that's bad. I'm not saying that's bad, but. You, you know, if you look at it and what it took, you know, to create that, I mean, it took guys that were willing to step out and cross the line. Yep. And I'm not saying it was the right thing, but I'm also not saying it's the wrong. I don't think you regret it. No, I don't regret it. No. You know, and, and believe me, I, I walk in places still, Brad, and I'm at an age now where, you know, somebody's coming that really doesn't bother me, you know, anymore. Yeah, well, can't please them all. Yeah, but but I said, did you watch? Did you tune in? Yeah, I tuned in. Well, <laughs> I'm a winner then. I think you're right. I think it's. Uh, I mean, it's you know the lines there to be crossed, and then when you cross it, those are the those are the stories that people talk about. Or like the, yeah. when the rules get broken, or when you push the push, you know, push across the line, or whatever you want to call it. Like those are the things that get written up in the tournament or in the newspapers the next day, talking about the tournament and. All that good stuff. So I, th- I think you guys did just fine. 
Just uh, before we go, but I want to say that we we lost uh, somebody very important in the last day or so, Norman Lear. And mm-hmm. I know I, you might have met him, but uh, and I, I had the, the pleasure of meeting him a number of times. He was involved in television and bringing some of the, you know, most unbelievable television shows, you know, in, in the past, you know, 30, 40 years. You know, one was Sanford and Sons, one was the Jeffersons, one was All in the Family. Good times. Good times, right? Yeah. You know, he he was he was controversial and he was you know, he brought things that were new to TV. You right. know, success stories like the Jeffersons moving on up and you know, and in uh He brought social commentary, kind of the TV, where it wasn't just a show yeah. trying to make you laugh. There was maybe a little bit of a message or a little bit of a purpose behind like the show or the season or the episode. Yeah. And, you know, I I heard a comment that they said that, you know, that he, he liked to do things and figure out something that he saw around him, what he saw around him. He tried to wonder, you know, bring to uh, to reality or, or TV. And, you know, he would be flying across the United States and uh, he'd look down and he'd see lights on in the city and, and and he would say, I hope I'm those people down there are watching my program and I hope I'm making them laugh. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's an amazing story. You and mom and, got to meet him a couple of times, right? And talk yes, to him up at the mansion. I, you know, I met him, met him up at, you know, at the Playboy Mansion. And, you know, the last time I saw him was at Mr. Hefner's uh, memorial. I went with your mom in, in uh, 2017 mm-hmm. and he was there and, and uh, you know, saw him there. Yeah. But, uh, you know, his his legacy and, you know, being, I think he was 100, 101. 100 years old. He made, he made Freeway 101, baby. 101 all the way from L.A. to Santa Barbara. <laughs> but uh, it, it was amazing. And, you know, it's, it's fun because, you know, he would sit around and talk with people that, you know, had different views and different thoughts and, you know, way of thinking and, you know, what he came up with. And it, it's interesting to to have been a part of that. And, you know, at, uh, at 101, he had a very good run. And, and just to say, you know, RIP, you know, rest in peace. And, you know, thanks for everything you left to us pretty interesting. Yeah, definitely. I mean, and speaking to somebody who, you know, pressed the boundaries or, you know, the envelope, whatever you want to call it, like he brought in some subject matters that were new, like the first time that people on on mainstream television had, you know, seen these, these families, you know, uh, African-American families portrayed this way. And, and like you said, with uh, moving on up and, and so many great shows, he gave you like a glimpse into a world that probably wasn't getting a lot of attention and that like it should in the mainstream media and on TV. So I think he, you know, contributed a lot to the, you know, whatever you want to call it, pop culture, just by doing that yeah. and by taking that risk and, you know, and pushing those kind of things forward to the front of the line. Yep. Yeah, it was a good time, and we've had a good time talking. Now, we've talked a, a lot of stuff tonight. Oh, yeah. Right? It's been a good episode. I think I'm going to let you go and ice your knee up because I want you to be yep. ready when I come up there in about a week with Gold Doodle Isabella, who's laying right here by my feet to play some golf. I'll be ready for you. Okay. But, uh, you know, in the meantime, you can follow me at, at Jimmy Connors on Twitter mm. at Brett underscore Connors. That's at me. Advantage Connors for our podcast. And uh, yeah, tune in, send us some questions to our Facebook page and uh, keep following us. We like having you out there and uh, let us know what's on your mind. Yep. I couldn't have said it any better. Talk to everybody next week and go Bitcoin, baby. Peace.
truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.